quick clap. We're glad, glad to be in God's house today. Hey, to our Collingswood family, our Mantua family, good morning. Welcome to church. It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? And hey, if you're here for the first time, welcome. We're glad that you're with us today. And if you're here for your second time, week number two, welcome back. We're so glad that you're with us again. And uh, I'm excited. It is a crew season in the life of the church. And uh, we really believe and we carry this belief that we're better together. Now, you may not, you, it may be, this is the thing about this one core value we carry. It's really easy to say um, that we are better together, but it requires something of us. It actually requires us to be in community. And that's not always easy. I want to share with you today some of the things that God's taught me about biblical community, doing life with one another, doing life with brothers and sisters in Christ. And I know that there's always challenges kind of surrounding this topic, but I really believe today as we open the Word of God that He's going to help us gain not only greater clarity um, about what this looks like, but we can address some of the challenges in our own life. Are you ready to get in the Word today? And uh, hey, before we do that, I, I want to pray um, that, that the Holy Spirit would prompt in us specific things. This is what I know about the Holy Spirit. He uniquely has the ability to, to deal with us where we are individually in a crowded space. Um, and he has the ability to, to whisper the words that we need to hear to realign our misdirection, to bring us back to a place of understanding. And I would just, as we pray this morning, ask you to, to agree with me and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you today um, as we go through the Word of God. Uh, before I do that, um, we, we all know uh, we are, for our Mullica Hill um, family, or our Mantua family, we are moving into our Mullica Hill facility in uh, about 14 days, which we're very excited about. And um, I want to talk to uh, Collingswood and Mantua collectively as a family. I've heard it described that we are one house with, with, with uh, two rooms and hopefully more rooms being added to it. And, and I want you to hear this, that People are, are often asking me, well, what does this mean for the future of True North? And I, I want to tell you, it's, it's our heart and always has been our heart to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with as many people as we can. We're not going to shrink the vision of the house. We're going to increase it. And we're not, we're not trying to just have one location. We're trying to have multiple locations. And it's our prayer that as we have a permanent facility in Mullica Hill, that permanent facilities would, would continue to pop up through throughout all of South Jersey and throughout the region. It's our heart that people know Jesus. So we don't see a shrinking vision. We see something that's expanding and growing. And I just want, I just want to let you know some numbers quickly. In Gloucester County alone, in 2017, this was the numbers, there's 292,000 people that live in Gloucester County alone. Over a half a million, 510,000 people live in Camden County, where Collingswood is. In Burlington County, there's 450,000 people. In Salem County, there's over 75,000 people. These were numbers from 2017. Can I tell you something? Even if we could describe our church of, of multiple thousands of people, what is that to a million people? And I just see, see, I think as a church, when we say, oh, our church is a few thousand, we're like, whoa. That's big. Is it big? Is it big when there's hundreds of thousands of people who are far from God, not connected in relationship with people? If the standard of measurement is everyone else, but not the task that's before us, we're not, we're not measuring things right. 
I just want to help all of us as a family, like lift our eyes. How many people need to know Jesus? How many people are still not connected into the community of God? And that's our heart, to create as many houses or rooms of worship where people can gather together and hear the salvation found in Jesus Christ. Amen? That's our vision for this house. And one of the things that I love about True North is over the years, we've been able to celebrate wins and successes as a family. When, when Collingswood, when we got gifted Reef Point, it was such an amazing thing. People at Mantua sewed into that. And when we were getting ready to raise funds for our Mullica Hill facility, people at our Collingswood family sewed into that. And can I tell you something? It is a real family when you can celebrate one another without criticism. Amen? Pray with me. Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you that as we're gathered together, um, your, your Holy, Holy Spirit, you speak to us. And you guide us and direct us and lead us into a place of understanding. Holy Spirit, I pray this morning that you would guide my words. Help me articulate what you've desired me to share today, God. And I thank you for direction. I thank you for clarity. I thank you for understanding. Father, help us become more like your son, Jesus, in all that we do. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. This past few services, we've been unpacking this text in Matthew chapter 5, and I want to back up a verse and talk to you about the context of this passage. Jesus had just preached his first message, the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 5, and then in Matthew chapter 5, as immediately as, I guess you could call it the conclusion of that, he goes into um, this statement talking about who we are who we are, those who are in Christ, who are we? And he speaks in, in a metaphorical way, but in a way for that culture to clearly understand who they are in Christ. And we're going to begin in verse 13. This is what the word says. It says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. Pause real quick. He doesn't say you can be, you might be. There's a possibility of you becoming. No, no. He says you are the salt of the earth. That's what he says. One of the things I've learned in my journey with the Lord is in order for us to really grow in maturity, it begins at the foundation of understanding who we are. If you do not know who you are, there will be a lot of movement around you, a lot of striving, a lot of accomplishing, a lot of, a lot of pursuing, but no real spiritual development will occur. Yeah. You must understand who you are in Christ. So Christ doesn't say, you may become. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Now, before we go on into this next portion, I need you to understand the salt in that, in that time and that era of time was significant. Salt actually was a preservative. It prevented things from decaying. I, I recently became aware of the significance of it reading through commentary. One of the commentators of this passage said that in our culture today, it's difficult for us to understand how significant salt was in that culture. It preserved all food. It said that economies would thrive or completely collapse without salt. Wars were waged empires against empires over salt. 
that stuff that you have in the cabinet that you just sprinkle on your food. There were wars fought over that because of the power it had to preserve food. It was significant. I don't know, we, we can't fascinate that we just open the fridge, open the freezer, push our, put our glass under for, for ice cubes to fall, for water to come out. It's perfectly clear. Everything's just so easy. It's so easy. Salt, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Now notice, he says, you, my kingdom people, are the salt. He doesn't say that the, that, that the kingdom of God needs salt. He says that the earth needs salt. He says that the earth needs kingdom people to be in it. Why? It is the kingdom people that prevent decay from happening in the culture in which it lives. Listen, that is our call. Listen, if five of you are going to clap, oh, you have to clap, okay? Come on. If, if, listen, that's what we're called to do. We are, we, we prevent decay from happening in a spiritual sense. And then he gets, listen, sometimes we read through this and we don't understand what he's saying. But the significance was at this. But if the salt loses its saltiness, you, 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 you do nothing. There's no power, there's no substance in it anymore. Salt prevented things from decaying. It, it, it prevented bacteria from forming. It, 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 it actually brought life to things. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. You need to be in the earth. You add spiritual life to the earth in which you are called to live. And there's power in that. And then he moves from that analogy very quickly, by the way. Because the moment you figure out, he says, I'm the salt. Well, that's awesome. And then he says, but if it loses its saltiness, he says, you're no longer good for anything. (laughs) Good for nothing. Like, really, did he say that? If you lose your saltiness. If you lose the ability to prevent decay from happening in the people around you. It's the distinguishing factor of the kingdom of God versus that of the earth. And then he moves into verse 14. And he doesn't suggest this. You need to get this. He doesn't suggest it. You need to picture Jesus saying this to you. You are the salt of the earth. And then he says, no, you are... The light of the world. The light of the world. That's who you are. It's not what you do. It's who you are. You need to get this. It's not the tasks that you accomplish, the degrees that you obtain, the income that you earn, the popularity that you have. It's not that. You are the salt of the earth, the light of the world. It's not what you do. It's who you are. He says, you're, and then he moves from your purpose, your identity, who you are, to the function you carry in the world that you live. So I am the light, and he says, and by the way, this is what the light does. It is a city built on a hill that cannot be hidden. So basically, who you are in Christ calls you out of insecurity, calls you out of hiding, out of isolation, out of doing everything by yourself, to a place on the top of a hill. So everybody can see you. A place of exposure. (laughs) A place of being seen. That's what he calls you to. And then he says, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. He's drawing a simple analogy now. He's saying if you need light in a house and you light a lamp, you don't light it and then cover it up. It's foolishness. You light it and then hold it up so it provides light to the whole house. 
He says, instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. My light provides light to those who cannot see. Some of you think that this is for you. He's saying, do you notice he's talking about who you are, but the function of what you do? He's saying, you are the light, and it's because of who you are that you enable people around you to better see what they need to see. It's who you are in God. So what you do, it's who you are. And he says, it's because you're the light of the earth, just, be, just you being at that job that you hate, just you being where you've been placed by God, just you being in that family, that school, that situation, you actually bring life to things that are decaying, and you bring light so people can see things that they otherwise would never see. You are the light. Sometimes we, we need to get this straight because if we don't, we'll be really confused. We'll be striving to accomplish things so that we can shine brighter. I, mean, I just need to remind you of this. You, in and of yourself, don't produce light. You don't. We are reflections of His light. We are reflections of His light. So He is the source for us and that when we are in Christ, we become a child of God, and we are, as he declares, the light of the world. The light of the world. That's who we are. And because of who we are, we provide light so other people can see. Let your light shine before others so that they may see. Everybody say see. So that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. I want to speak briefly to that. Because it's important, if you continue to read in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it's immediately after he says that, if, if you're attentive as you're reading through it, there seems to be a contradiction. Because in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1, this is what Jesus says to the crowd of people. He says, be careful not to do the acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father. Wait a second. Do good deeds so that they may see them and glorify your Father. Be careful that you do not do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. The variable in this teaching seems to be who is seen. Not in the acts of righteousness, but who is seen because of your acts of righteousness. If I do my acts of righteousness to be seen by men, I have no reward from God. If I do my acts of righteousness, not so that they see me, but so they see him, I will be greatly rewarded. It's who they see in what I do. So I, I, I realize something. There are prerequisites in my motivation and in my heart as I do good deeds before God. And Christ immediately says that if you are doing good deeds before men, simply to be seen by them, you will have no reward from God. Because it is not, we don't do these things to receive praise. You remember last week when we were reading that passage of Scripture, it says that some of the Pharisees actually believed in Jesus, but they would not tell other people because they had fear of man. And they had a greater desire to be praised by man than to be praised by God. See, this is what we need, to get, we need to get to the place of is we are the light so people can see. But what should they see? 
What should they see ultimately? And this is the danger in our culture today, by the way, because every, every one of us is obsessed by what we see in people. But we are conduits of the glory and the light and the substance of God. So actually, you win when they don't see you. You win when they say, I, you know what, there is this person, I don't even know their name. But I can tell you one thing, I think they are followers of Jesus. I don't know their name, I don't know what they really do, but there's something distinguished about them. There's something that separates them, there's something unique about them, and that's what he's calling us being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Not so we are seen, but he is seen. How is he seen? Through our good deeds of righteousness. What is seen? I've, 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 I've noticed it's about who gets the glory. Why am I the light of the world? Because of who he is in me. It's because of who he is. Not because of what I do, but because of what he has done. Jesus speaks in John chapter 8, and this is what he says. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have light, the light of life. He's saying that while he, while he was present, he is the source and the substance of light, and all those who follow after him shall be children of the light, not children of darkness, children of light. Why are we called children of the light? Because it is by our acts of righteousness, it's by our acts of obedience that actually enables though, those who are around us who are decaying spiritually to see the substance of who Christ is. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I want you to get this because if you get this, you'll see a greater understanding of what it means to be called into community. Of what it means to be called into community. And this is so powerful because the function of light, the function of it, the very purpose of it is to, bring, is to make truth visible to the people around you. I remember I often ask my questions, how do they not get it? How do they not see it? And I would always try to convince you will not convince people to see truth. Only God reveals it to people. But he uses our good deeds of righteousness to lead them to a place of understanding. But it's through us honoring him. John chapter 17 verse 15. This is the prayer that the Lord had for us. Because some of us want to run and hide. He says, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one within it. I believe that we develop our maturity when we're in biblical community, when we're part of a crew, when we're serving on team. Some of us seem to, to think of that as, well, it's for those who just have more time. It's, it's for those who are just lonely. It's for those who have relational issues. It's for those who just really enjoy that. That's not what the text says. Jesus does not seem to suggest that we should contemplate doing life with one another. He commands it. He directs it. He says, he says, honor one another, serve one another, encourage one another, love one another, mourn with one another, rejoice with one another, pray with one another, care for one another. Over a hundred times in the New Testament alone, Christ instructs us to do life with one another. It is not an, it is not an auxiliary ministry in the life of the church. It's what we're called to, to do life with one another. And I know for many of us, we're like, well, you know, I just, it's not me. No, 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 no. It is who you are in Christ. I, I, I want, I, listen, I believe that we, 
We stay salty and bright when we're in community. Salty in a good way. I believe we stay salty and bright when we're in community. When we're out of community, I believe we start to lose our saltiness, our ability to prevent decay. I believe we begin to become dim, meaning we don't have an ability to allow people to see the truth through our acts of righteousness. And that's why it's so important for us to be connected. We believe with all of our heart we're better together because we're called together by God. Something, something happens in, in family. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I, I, I struggle with this at times in many ways. But I've learned throughout the years that, that God often calls me to places that I would never want to venture on if it was up to me. Family is a funny thing. It's the place that can bring you the greatest joy and cause you the greatest pain. It can cause you to lose sleep and become frustrated. And, but family is who we are in the eyes of God. Spiritual children of God. And I believe we struggle at different levels with this. But I believe that humility comes to all of us when we see God for who he is. And I really believe that we have it, we have it, we can see God when we're in community with one another. I don't know how to explain this other than maybe sharing my, my own journey. And let me do that for you. Maybe, maybe this will help. Um, I'm going to go a bit rogue, but I think this is going to help. Is that all right? Um, we live in a culture today that is all about us being seen. We want to be seen. We, we, have, we are more connected than ever before. You can send a text to someone on the other side of the earth, and in moments they can send you a, a response. Instagram, Facebook, social, other social platforms, we've become so connected but yet so far apart. And this gap seems to be ever increasing. We feel connected but we're really not, and this gap continues to grow. And as I stand back and watch in the family of God, I, I say, wow, this is strange. We are obsessed with what other people do through social media platforms, but yet we're not in relationship with people. There's no real community often at times that happens. And it's a problem. I remember someone was talking to me and they said, hey, how do you get up in front of people and talk? Like, you just must be gifted that way. And I remember after that conversation, I thought I literally went into a, a thinking coma for a few hours and and I didn't talk to anyone I was just contemplating because what really bothered me was that you don't really know how I feel when I stand up here Like you see me but you don't know what's going on in here but you've already made a determination in your own mind you think you know what's going on in here because you see me here, you think, oh, he's got it all together. He can fit, you know, he's confident, he's this, he's that, he's no. You've already made up your mind. And some of you might say, oh, I'm sure he gets a little nervous, I'm sure he gets this, but you don't really know, but you make an assumption about it. And I need you to know something that, that I acknowledge my fears and my insecurities every time before I get on this platform. Some of you say, well, why do you do that? Because I believe you can never defeat an enemy that you don't acknowledge. And I acknowledge it, but I lead myself past the lies that I hear the lies that say you're never good enough, you'll never amount to it, no one cares, no one's going to listen, you're not going to articulate it well enough, 
You're going to forget your train of thought a million times like you always do. You're going to be distracted. You're going to say this, and no one's really going to gain anything from it. And I lead myself past those lies to a place of reminding myself of who Christ is and who I am in him. And I have to do it vocally. Some of you don't know this. I do this before I come up with a platform. God, I thank you that I'm the head and not the tail. I thank you that you've chosen me. God, I thank you that you use me. God, I thank you for my weaknesses, for my insecurities, and I boast in them because when I am weak, you are strong. And I thank you that your strength is displayed in my weakness. And even though there's times I don't want to be seen by everybody, God, I thank you that people see you through me. My prayer when I stand before you is not that you love me, but love him. And the tension in public speaking, can I tell you something? Do you know why the number one fear of humanity is public speaking? Of all the things still today, the number one fear. That's why there's times where I'm like, hey, you in the back, come on up here. And people will go, oh, you know, when you did that that one time, I almost threw up. You know what I mean? Like, it, the idea of someone in this room just being called on, saying, you stand up. Why? Why do we have the fear? That fear is so great. You know, I'm going to tell you why. It's because we have the fear of being judged, of being seen, of being seen, but not just physically being seen. All of us live in this, in this reality of, of, of this pretend us, this, this fake us, of what we put off for other people to see. And when we are seen by people, this is what we do. I wonder if they really know about me. I wonder if they know my past. I wonder if they know my brokenness. I wonder if they know my insecurities. I wonder if they really know that I struggle with this. I wonder if they really, if they found out, if they really found out. So what did we do? We spend a lot of our lives protecting something that's not even real. I've noticed this with my children. I've noticed this. Stay with me. I've noticed this with my children. They've developed behavior so that they get love from me. They'll come up and they'll say things or they'll do things and then dad will, will hug them and love them. But I've watched them. Some of them will do things just so I can display love to them. But, but my love is not contingent upon what they do. But as we grow in our maturity to God, some of us still think that in order for God to love me, I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this. And we develop that as a young age, just growing up, adolescence. Many of us do that. We grow up and we say, I know if I do this, people will love me. I know that if I do this, people will think I'm great. I did this when I came up on the platform. I said, if, oh, if I, say, if I say jokes, people will laugh. They'll think I'm funny. They'll love me. If I do this, people are like, oh, you're so mature. If I do this, people. And I remember dealing with that emotionally inside saying, uh, what, I don't know what I should show people. What should they see of me? And it dawned on me at one point in my journey. It's not about you seeing me. It's about you seeing him through me. Listen, if you are obsessed with people seeing you, they'll never see God. They'll never see God. But if you can get to the place, and this is my prayer, this is my prayer, this is, this is the crux of what I want to get to, is that, that your prayer would be that God, may people see you through me. May people see you through me. I don't care if they know my name. I don't care if they follow me on social media. I don't care if I ever acquire this or obtain to that status or, or do these things. God, may people see you through my life. That's what it's all about. And so this, this, is, this is the prayer. This is, as we 
journey through this life, and I suppose journey is a dangerous word when we talk about spiritual maturity. Because journey speaks to the place of sanctification of us growing to become more like Christ. But hear me, there is no journey to become a child of God. You don't work to a place to be called a child of God. You receive it. And some of us still have that confused. But when you know who you are in Christ, what he's called you to do, what he's called you to represent, you don't need to go through this life putting on this fake version of you to live in fear if people would only find out who you are. Can I tell you something? All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. None are righteous, not even one. What frustrates me, and it's such a sad thing, is that fear keeps you stationary in your growth. It doesn't allow you to grow in maturity. Every time someone offends you, you run and you hide. Every time you're called to lead in something, and people say, well, me? Can I lead? I don't know if I, I'm not good enough. I still do this and I still do that. Me? I don't. What if people find out and we live in this place of fear as it pertains to our insecurities and our weaknesses? But the apostle Paul, he says to God, God, take this weakness from me. Take this thorn in my flesh. Take this thing. And the scripture says that Christ declared to him, my grace is sufficient for my power is made perfect in weakness. You know what he's doing? He's saying, Paul, in, in light of it, I see it. I know it's there. You're not hiding it from me. Listen, so many people in our world are doing all these things to be seen. You want to be seen by your boss. You want to be seen by your parents. You want to be seen by your siblings. I just want to be seen. I just want to be known, right? We live in a culture, everyone wants us to be loved. And so we spend this entire journey of life doing all these things to be loved, to be seen. But you already are seen by God. He already sees you. He already loves you. It's a place of, of receiving that love and knowing I'm already seen. I'm not fighting to be seen anymore. I'm already seen by the one who it really matters. Listen, when you can get to a place of recognizing that God sees you, that he loves you, the real you, the insecure version of you, the frightened version of you, the uncertain version of you, the, the mistaked version of you. He loves that version of you, not the version on social media, not the version that you put on on Sundays, not the version that has it all put together and I'm all, I'm all right, I got no problems. No, that's not who he loves. He loves the broken you and he calls you out of that to mend you, to heal you, to restore you, so you don't see a broken you anymore. You see a perfected you, a righteous you, a redeemed you, a justified you. Why? Because of what you've done? No, because of what he's done. I really believe with all my heart, it does not happen unless we're in community with one another. If people see God through me, why would I live a life isolated from other people? Why would I not be in relationship with other people? If God shows himself through me, I want to be around people. I want to show them Christ, not because I'm perfect, but because of who he is. Church, this is not what we do. It's who we are. We're sons of the king, daughters of the king, called to live with one another, to care.
care with one another, to love one another. Let me pray for you. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes? Hey, thanks for watching. I pray that that message was a blessing to you. And I pray it's encouraged you um, wherever you find yourself in your journey of life. We never like to end any one of our services without giving you um, the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus was raised to life, that you will be saved. And salvation is a free gift. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't work towards it. It can only be received. It's this incredible grace that comes only from God. So the Bible says that right where you are in your season, not trying to fix anything else, not trying to get yourself better, not waiting or putting off salvation, but today to make the decision to say yes to Jesus, that you know you can't save you, that you need Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. The Bible says it only requires you to say a simple prayer. So repeat after me, just say this prayer. Say, dear, dear Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross and rose again. Come into my life and make me new. I'm now a Christian. Christ now lives in me. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you just said that prayer, we believe that your eternity is secure in Christ. One of the things that I wanna encourage you to do, your next step, if you would, um, is to tell somebody, whether you're telling us through the website and contacting us and informing us or telling someone else at a local church that maybe you visited. The second thing I wanna encourage you to do is to be planted in a healthy Bible-based church, whether it's True North Church or another church close to you. Find a church community to do life with. Man, we're so excited for you. Make sure that you get a Bible. If you don't have one, please reach out to us. We'd love to bless you with the Bible and encourage you on your journey with Jesus. I'm excited for you. I truly believe that your best days are still ahead.